On this episode of the Game Time Guru, we're jumping into the NBA. More specifically, my favorite team, the Utah Jazz. I've got Andy Larson joining me today on the show to give you an in-depth look at this year's team and giving us an analysis and predictions of what's going to happen going forward. You don't want to miss this episode of the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Guru! Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Game Time Guru. Once again, guys, I am your host, Shane Larson, and it is an honor and a privilege for me today because I'm joined by Andy Larson, who happens to be one of the best guys on Twitter when it comes to the Utah Jazz. I, I follow this guy religiously when it comes to getting my jazz updates. Andy, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, no problem. I'm, I'm happy to join you finally. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, we were talking before, and we mentioned, you know, what you do. And, and I know that you're the managing editor of Salt City Hoops. Uh, can you explain what that is? What is Salt City Hoops? Yeah, so Salt City Hoops is the where was the ESPN True Hoop affiliate of the Utah Jazz when ESPN had a, a True Hoop site for every team. And since then, you know, we've kind of gone on uh, to just kind of cover the Jazz on our on our own terms with all the different changes that on uh, at the ESPN level, but. We're still tied to ESPN. We have a radio show on ESPN 700 here in Salt Lake City every seven to nine, uh, every Thursday, sorry, seven to nine p.m. And then I'm also the Utah Jazz beat writer for KSL.com, the, the local NBC affiliate here in Salt Lake. And how long have you been into sports journalism? Oof. I mean, so I really started covering the Jazz. I think eight, nine years ago was really when I first started writing about the team. Uh, I've had a credential for the last five years, kind of worked my way up through various blog sites and, and fan sites and that sort of thing, and then eventually got hired here at KSL and, and, and at Salt City Hoops, and now it's, now it's my full-time job. That's awesome. And I and like I said earlier, your Twitter game is unreal. Um, you're on Twitter all the time. It seems like you're – like when I'm, when I'm listening to you or reading your tweets, it feels like I'm actually – there um are do you get to be around the team quite often oh yeah i mean i'm going i go on about half of the road trips uh that the jazz go on i'm obviously at every home game every practice every shoot around even going to a lot of the uh, events and games for the the jazz's d-league team the, the salt lake city stars so like, like i say it is it is my full-time job this is what i do anytime that the jazz have a charity event i try to be there you know it, it's 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 my life, right? This is everything I try to do is, is try to be around the team as much as possible. You are literally living my dream. So that's why I'm <laughs> so glad I get to speak with you today. Um, one other question or one other comment I wanted to make in regards to your Twitter game is your, your tweet. One of your tweets the other day was in Spanish. Uh, I take it that you're bilingual. Is that correct? Um, I, I mean, I, I took Spanish in high school, and, and I actually used to be on the Spanish radio broadcast of the Jazz. At, at halftime, they would have me on and, and have me kind of break down the game. So um, I, I wouldn't say I'm bilingual. That that might be going too far, but I, I know enough basketball phrases that I, I will not embarrass myself, I guess. Oh, that, either way, I think that's really cool. When I saw that pop up, I was like, man, you're reaching a whole new audience. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, 
All right, Andy. So first, obviously, we're, we're going to be talking about the Jazz. This is my special on the Utah Jazz today. And we're kind of we're, – we're not quite midway through the season, but we're almost there. I kind of want to go over a few things. Who's the most surprising player on the roster thus far? Oh, I mean, in, in my mind, it's definitely Kevin Mitchell um, coming, you know, coming off in, in, into his rookie season and to be able to perform at really a star level like he has for the last two months is something, I, you know, even in Dennis Lindsay's wildest dreams, I don't think we saw coming true. Um, you know, just what he's been able to do on the offensive end, finishing, shooting the three ball, everything like that has been, um, you know, really franchise changing for the Jazz. Oh, absolutely. And what's your thoughts on Rodney Hood? I kind of want to get your take on on Mr. Hood, Mr. Injury-Prone Hood, but when he's in, he's actually really consistent. But I want to see what your thoughts are on on, on him. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, he he did have that really nice run of consistency early in the season, and I thought, you know, this is is real growth from Rodney Hood. And it it definitely has been Rodney Hood's best season yet. He's he's shooting the ball a lot better. He was getting to the free-throw line for – a stretch of games there, something we really haven't seen at all in Rodney Hood's career. Um, but you're right, it has been kind of injury-riddled like every other year of, of Hood's career. And so, um, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. It's, he's probably overwhelmed. He's, he probably shouldn't be the number one scorer on a team, but I think he's, he's stepped up to that role relatively admirably. And, and you know, I, I think people do give him a little bit of stink for the, for the inconsistency, but I think that's just kind of a misunderstanding of, of who Rodney Hood is as a player is that, you know, this guy is, is a guy built around his jump shot and he's, he's going to take 10 three point shots a game and he's going to hit even take, you know, more mid range shots than most guys. And so I think given that, given that he's not getting those easy layups, not getting those easy free throws, whether or not his scoring output is, is 30 points or 15 points depends a lot on whether or not he goes two for 10 from three or, or six or seven for 10 from three, you know, and, and, those are about equally likely given his shooting percentages. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Rodney Hood is, is a good player. I think the Jazz have a really kind of a tough decision out there this summer on whether or not to keep him. And it really kind of depends on what the what the opportunity cost is, what the other options are that the Jazz can actually sign in for agency this summer. And that's, that's another topic I wanted to bring up is what we do with Hood going forward and yeah, like you said, it kind of depends on what options are out there when we get to, you know, that part of, uh, you know, of the year. Um, with Hood, though, the thing is, I thought he was the steal of the draft when we got him. Um, because when he was playing in college, I honestly believe that he was, he, it was basically a one-two punch when he was in college. And he was a big scorer, but the 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 light always went to the big timers like Jabari and, and, and the rest of the dudes. Like, he never got the credit that he deserved in my opinion. So I was really happy that Jazz took him. He fit perfectly into our system. But, yeah, we do have this problem going into the end of the year, what we do with Hood. Um, and one thing I want to say, though, is I want your thoughts. Do you think we should keep Rodney Hood going into next year? Yeah, I mean, honestly, if it's if it's cheap enough, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, I'm not sure I would give him a max deal. I'm not, you know, at the $20 million a year, I start to, to balk a little bit at how much that, that – bill is going to be but i think you know Rodney hood fits what you want from a wing player in today's game which is that he is capable of of shooting a lot of threes he's capable of catch and shoot and pull up shots he's not a ball hog by any means and he's not a bad defender certainly i wouldn't call him a good one but you know i guess 40th percentile is is fair 50th you know 
he's a really pretty average defender for a wing, so he's not hurting you on that end of the floor. You know, it's it's this kind of guy that teams are finding they need more and more of as as the NBA you know goes to more and more of of playing three four wings on the floor at at a time, and and Ronnie Hood's a good fit kind of in in any sort of lineup. So yeah, I, I you know I think the Jazz will try to keep Ronnie, and I think it makes sense to do so. I would certainly give all my effort there unless you can go out there and sign a, a real max free agent. But, um, you know, barring that and really Rodney, Rodney Hood's cap hold is really small as well. Should be about seven and a half million dollars. Maybe you can do both if you make some other moves, lining up the cap in some other ways this summer. For sure. And another topic I want to discuss is this Rudy Gobert discussion. Um, so, in the off season, obviously we lost Hayward, and that was kind of the, you know, people had mixed opinions on it. Was it a good move? Was it not? Well, Donovan Mitchell comes in and he starts playing pretty well, so that kind of took, you know, the blow away a little bit. It kind of softened the blow, and we were like, well, we can build around Mitchell, we can build around Gobert. My thoughts on this, though, as I was watching the last couple of games, uh, my buddy and I had this discussion on Gobert. Um, it seems, and I just, this is just purely from the eye test. Obviously, he's an elite defender. In fact, I think he's the best defender, the best defending big man in the league when healthy. But it seems that we have – he's a liability on the offensive side of the ball. And he almost reminds me of DeAndre Jordan in a sense because the, his range doesn't extend past five feet, if that. I want to know what your thoughts are on this. I know that's kind of saying a lot because we all love Gobert, but do you feel like Gobert could actually be a liability or do you see him being – a big piece to our success going forward still, even on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, no, I, I actually do. And I, I, I'm going to disagree with you, Chan. I, I, I do think that he is a help on the offensive side of the ball so long as you give him a, a chance to succeed. And, and what I mean by that is when you have Ricky Rubio out there on the floor who teams, you know, I, I think we both know don't respect um, with on, you know, on offense and, and certainly with Derek Favors right next to him, that means that really there are three guys who can be, dedicated to stopping that Rudy Gobert roll to the rim and finish. And I think we saw last year with George Hill and Gordon Hayward on the team kind of what potential Rudy Gobert has on the offensive end. You know, when he was averaging 16 to 20 points a game over the last half of the season because he was finishing those logs, because he was a putback machine, those sorts of things. And I think the, the spacing that the Jazz's offense hasn't had this year has really hurt Rudy Gobert when he's healthy. Besides, Honestly, that he's playing at 80 to 90% sometimes because of these knee injuries. So um, in my mind, I, I still think Rudy Gobert has a role. I think he actually is either the best or second best role big man in the league. And, and certainly the league isn't doing any less of the pick and roll. Which So the, and I think his roles to the rim, again, if you have spacing around him, can give you the ability to shoot and make more threes. Um, so, you know, I, I actually do believe in, in Rudy Gobert's offensive future um, and certainly his defensive one as well for, for all the obvious reasons. I think it's really kind of a matter of finding a, a reasonable fit around him and uh, finishing at the rim. I like that. Thank you for your insight on that. Um, we, you mentioned Ricky Rubio, and this is the, the next guy I want to talk about. You know, we had a big pickup with Rubio, and here's the deal. Um, like you said, most most people don't respect him. I mean, we, we needed some scoring when we lost Hayward and Hill, and it was going to be like that question of who's actually going to be the shot creator. Well, we got exactly the opposite of that. I mean, statistically speaking, last year, like Ricky Rubio was literally the worst shooting point guard in the league, 
statistically speaking, and he has he's he has his moments here and there. But uh, how do you feel that Rubio has fit in with the team? Do you feel like he's got a place here in Utah? It, so here's I, if if Ricky Rubio could be what he was over the first six seasons of his career, um, I would be a lot more optimistic about it. And, or if he could be what he was even at the last half of last season, where he was a 16 point a game scorer and really was shooting the ball pretty efficiently. But this version of Ricky Rubio that we've seen in the first half of this season is completely insustainable from an offensive point of view. I mean, really the Jazz's offense craters when he's out out there on the floor. Um, And, you know, defensively, honestly, he's been a liability too. Obviously there's the turnover issue. I mean, it's it's been completely, like I say, unsustainable. It's, It's not been what we've seen from Ricky Rubio over the course of his career where he has been a, a traditional plus-minus boost for for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and it's it's just kind of really weird to see. And I, I know that Ricky Rubio is a better player than this. So I, I mean, uh, here's what it comes down to. Right now, I don't know that the Jazz have a better point guard option. And I, you know, whether or not Ricky Rubio gets 24 minutes starting or 20 minutes off the bench isn't that much of a difference to me. It's just kind of whether or not Ricky Rubio can can put it together and, and kind of there's a put up or shut up moment that's that's happening right now is you know look we're giving you the playing time we, we've given you the opportunity we've given you every chance to succeed and, and by all means he's actually been a better player in practices than he has been in the game it's just that you know you can't afford to lose leads or get out to a deficit as quickly as the Jazz have so early I, I think they're going to give him a chance to continue to to develop and and kind of struggle because you know honestly why not at this point it's you know this jazz season was never about contending it was always about learning about what you have and and you know it, it does seem like 35 games in is a little bit too soon to give up on the Ricky Rubio experiment which you gave up a, a first round pick to to try to I guess find out what it was all about but yeah obviously returns have been really bad so far and, and there's going to be a point where the jazz just can't take it anymore and have to find another point guard option, maybe that's just when Dante Exum is healthy and can come back. And speaking of Exum, man, what a devastating blow at the beginning of this season. Um, I thought he had a lot of potential. He was show, finally showing, like, at the end of last year, he got in a few few games, like even against the Warriors when we were getting destroyed in the playoffs. And I was yeah. at the game, and he gets in and just shows the, the flash of athleticism that uh, we didn't really have. Um, you know, like – the the size and the athleticism and it was awesome to see. I was stoked for him this year and he goes down with the injury. Do you have high hopes for Exum going forward with the Jazz, you know, with this Jazz organization, or what's your thoughts with Exum? Do you believe he takes over for Rubio and stays with us, or do we have to ship him off? No, I, I actually am pretty optimistic that Dante Exum will be a part of the Jazz in you know the near and medium term future. I, I do think that he's coming back at some point this season, so. And that really, that month, month and a half, two months, whatever it ends up being, where the Jazz get to see Dante Exum right before his contract is up, uh, is going to be a really important time for him in terms of what kind of offers he gets from around the league uh, and, and how likely he is to stay in a Jazz uniform. You know, I I, I talked to some people in, in the Jazz organization who are really, really high on Dante Exum and, and what he's could do for the Jazz as a long-term piece. You know, I've, I've even talked to Quinn Snyder, who's been really optimistic, actually, about what uh, Dante Exum can bring, which 
kind of surprised me given how often he played Sheldon Mack over Exum last season, but he does really seem to believe that, that Dante Exum can be a, a part of the Jazz's future. It's just kind of what he ends up being able to show in this last month and a half and, and whether or not the Jazz can, can afford him as part of their long-term future. Um, and, and, you know, is there a team that's willing to pay him $10 million a year? And, and, and if so, do the Jazz want to match that? You know, what, what does his next contract look like is something that, you know, really hugely depends on, you know, 20, 25 games, maybe at, at best. Right. So we're going to kind of bank it on the production of the last part of the season for him and see how that goes. Um, speaking of the future of the team, first I want to ask you this. You mentioned that, you know, this season was not about contending. We kind of already knew that. Um, but I want to know what your thoughts are. Do we have hopes for the playoffs still, or is that kind of what, – what are your thoughts just being around the team, being, you know, just being in that realm so much? What do you feel about the playoff opportunities? Yeah, I, I mean, I still think this team thinks they can be a playoff team. I still think they can be a playoff team. I mean, you look at, like, 538, right, and they simulate the rest of the season. And, and right now they have the Jazz as a 46% chance to make the playoffs. So it's it's about 50-50. They're right there with the Portland Trailblazers, who have a 47% chance. So, you know, you're, you're given that the, the difficulty of the schedule that the Jazz have had so far, you know, you, you kind of look at their point differential this season, and that's something that, you know, 538 doesn't know about the injury situation either, where, you know, you'll have a Rudy Gobert coming back and, and again, hopefully a Dante Exum coming back as, as kind of additions to this team. Now, you know, that might change with a trade at the deadline. You know, maybe your your chances go down if you ship out Derek Favors or some team is interested in a Joe Johnson, say. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's still a real chance, a, a really good chance that this Jazz team make the, makes the playoffs. And, and really kind of that's the feeling around the team, too, is they know once you get out of this difficult December stretch, January and really kind of after that first week of January, everything starts to starts to turn where you get some a lot of games against Eastern Conference opposition, a lot of games against middling Western Conference opposition, and, and you have a chance to actually kind of right the ship, if you will, come back and, and make yourself a playoff team again. And, and they're not that far out of the picture to say where that's that's an impossibility. That's that's promising to hear then. Um, and then going forward, I just wanted to see what you think in the next three to five years, what we can expect from the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the two building blocks are Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, and I think you're going to see a lot of franchise, a lot of roster altering around those guys as they try to find a, a third store, a, a third star and, and a, you know, core pieces that fit around them. And so, you know, I, I think you you start to look at some of these guys that Dennis Lindsay just signed on one or two year deals. You know, Pablo Stefloso is a good example where he has been really great for the Jazz this season, but is he going to be part of the next great Jazz team and really be a big part of that next great Jazz team, or do the Jazz find a way to get an asset that helps them more moving forward? You know, ditto with guys Joe Johnson, Derek Favors, Ekpe Udo. I mean, you can kind of go up and down the roster. Jonas Jurebko is. As guys, uh, you know, everything's going to be really fluid as, as Dennis Lindsay is kind of really aggressive and, and building around the, the guys he wants to build around moving forward. And, and, you know, I think you you start to look at what they could do in, in free agency, if that's a real option, if they think they can get someone good there. Um, and if not, you know, how do you acquire, again, that third star in, in the trade market? Do you, do you like Sabari Parker enough that you want to give him his deal next, you know, for the next four years. Do you go out and get 
an Andrew Wiggins. I don't like that idea, but you know, it's, it's something that you can talk about. Um, you know, whatever that looks like, is there an, is there a star? Is there a, even a semi star that you think can develop into a star that can be part of the next, like I say, really good jazz team. And then it's all about developing Donovan Mitchell, especially as a prospect into, you know, the jazz really believe he can be a top 10 kind of player in the NBA. And that's when you really do have championship contention possibilities. That's so awesome. And one of the things that, just from the fans' perspective, we always struggle as, as jazz fans my entire life because the small markets, you always hear it, small markets can't pay, can never get, the, the small markets never get the, the big stars. And it's it finally seems that we have that talent. We have Donovan Mitchell. We have Gobert. We have the talent that kind of will lure those people towards Utah. So hopefully – that's my hope in the next three to five years we'll actually grab one of those big names like you were saying they'll have they'll want to be here rather than just you know oh it's Utah no they'll actually want to come over here because of the talent that we'll have on the team so for a Jazz fan it seems promising I'm just always sick of hearing about oh well next year we'll be all right next year I'm just sick of saying next year I'm just so sick of saying that and look you know like I'm not saying that the Jazz are going to be a real Western Conference contender next year. I think that's probably too aggressive of a time frame. But, you know, the Jazz the Jazz really do have this window where they have Donovan Mitchell giving you star-level output at a rookie-level deal that they need to take advantage of. And I think Dennis Lindsay knows that and is going to be aggressive in his moves in this trade deadline this offseason and really next year's trade deadline to try to make that happen so that, you know, by year three, year four of Donovan Mitchell's contract, that's when – you really have this window of, okay, we can be a, a top four seed in the West. We can really compete with some of these teams. And, and let's hope something goes our way where, you know, the Warriors aren't at 100%. You know, the Rockets have a age-related downturn, whatever that looks like, because right. there actually are some opportunities there um, beyond the Warriors to be one of the elite teams in the West. Oh, absolutely. And, Andy, just to finish off real quick, uh, this has been a great discussion. I really appreciate your insight on all of this great to get like an expert in their field here on the show to to break this down especially about my favorite team so first off i want to know what your favorite jazz memory is whether it be during the time you've been covering them or if you even watched them earlier in your life whatever yeah so i'm definitely going with the sundiata games game i don't know if you you remember that but oh yeah sundiata games um comes in in the fourth quarter darren williams has injured himself ronnie price i think is in foul trouble so they have to play the the 10-day guy, and, and he, he kills it in the fourth quarter. Um, LeBron, you know, pushes the Cavs to a six-point lead, and then the Jazz come back, culminating with this shot, um, you know, that wins the game for the Jazz on the right wing. Um, that's that's still, I think, my favorite Jazz game I've, I've been at, my favorite moment I've, I've seen in Jazz history. That's, that's, the, that's the one for me. And funny thing about games, that whole story. So I served a mission for my church. I happened to be in Brazil that day. It was the day before I came home from my mission. I was there for two years. And I, I heard about this thing, this thing that happened. So the next day I got home, that was all my friends were showing me because they were like, last night, look at this. And it's the guy from the Stampede. I'm here in Idaho. Uh, we had the Stampede here, and it was cool. It was just like a hometown guy that like was playing for our, our Boise team here before they moved back to Utah, obviously, now. But, and it was just a cool story. So that's funny you brought that up. Um, because that was all that was being shown around Boise, like that whole first week that I was home. Um, and to finish off, last question I have for you, Andy, did Michael Jordan push off on Brian Russell? Yeah, he he, he clearly and definitely did. Like, 
you know, and I get it that the refs aren't going to call a foul in that situation and whatever, but yeah, there's, there is undoubtedly a push off and, and that's, that's, it is what it is. I don't, I don't know. There was also undoubtedly a missed three, a missed 24 second shot clock violation earlier in the game where Howard Isley had a, a three that was incorrectly waved off by Dick Savetta, but, uh, you know, that's, that's how it goes. That's, you can't be tortured if you, if you win the NBA finals, right? <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you joining the show, and uh, hopefully we'll be in contact in the future. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Before you leave, please head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. I would greatly appreciate it because it helps me out a ton. Thanks, guys. appreciate the support.